Hello, I am Leave Nelson B, musician for Lonely Ghost Records, and this is Talent with Alan. Here, we will go over recent Lonely Ghost releases, as well as those from affiliated artists in a quest to get liner notes that you cannot get in a digital era. I hope you enjoy. Oh, by the way, I've been watching the, the. I don't know if you know this or not, but Showtime put the the put the Blue Tank documentary on YouTube. Oh shit! For real, dude. Yeah, I've been trying to. I don't have Showtime, so like, there's so, a bunch yeah, of shit. So yeah, Mike and Men is uh is is on YouTube right now. And I'm on episode three, and it ends on a somber note. Like, oh, dirty bastard just died. <laughs> man, oh man, man, dude, ODB on his own. Like ODB's fucking life story on its own, I have no idea how it has not been turned into like a television show or at least a movie. I remember like, dude, when I finally like looked into his life, he escaped from prison. He lit himself on fire. He like was shot like eight different times. When he escaped from prison, they literally caught him at a McDonald's in a fucking bulletproof vest. Like what a fucking crazy story. dude. He came from like actually nothing. I mean, you know, his actual career is interesting. He's a fascinating person. He's just a, he was like into conspiracy theories and shit. He's just kind of like a dude who seems like just begging to have a. Yeah, there was a, there was a story. There was a story in the documentary about how he got like, he got shot and he like drove himself to the hospital. And and one dude was just yeah. like, yeah, Capadonna is like, yeah, actually, I think he went home first. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the most old dirty bastard thing. <laughs> Yeah, you probably fucking did, dude. That's so funny. ODB, like... He lifts cars off like, the children. I heard his <laughs> yeah, dude, he's, like, saving kids' lives. You saw that, that 90s fact the other day. I was just, like, revisiting that story, and I was just like, dude, this dude is, like, just such a fascinating guy. Like, wow. I, I just wish there was more about him, to be honest with you. I was watching this MTV, because I was, like, trying to find documentaries years ago. Probably, like, I don't know. If VH1 did one when uh, he got out of uh, jail, like, some time ago. Yeah, the MTV one he did. And that one was, like, they were talking about him lighting himself up. It was pretty, it was, like, fascinating, but, uh, but uh, you know, a little bit dark. That, that, that was a good documentary, because that's, like, the one where you, like. Would have liked to hear, like, more. Well, you consistently hear him sober in that in that in that documentary. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and it's, it's well, he also, yeah, that was when like he kind of aired out his grievances with like RZA too. Like RZA never coming to visit him in prison and shit. Like he was pretty upset by that shit. Oh uh, yeah, man. And I, that was the uh, yeah that 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 was. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that, that, and plus, like I, I think during that time like everybody just kept busy like like because like at that point in time i think rizza lost like all the like main wu-tang members because they were assigned to wu-tang productions and they pretty much all like opted out of their contracts or just like and rizza and his older brother let them go and like i guess that put a bad taste in his mouth you you, you know like eat and like there was like lawsuits and shit like that and but yeah it's yeah, it, 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 it's an interesting tale. It's a sad tale. And yeah, you know, and definitely a sad tale. I was just listening to a second album the other day. And that, that, that thing is just like, 
Like, like, like when when you watch Anchorman and you hear Ron Burgundy say he's in like a glass case case of emotion, that is that is old Dirty Bastard's second album. <laughs> is <laughs> such an explosion of 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 like multiple of all facets of human emotion and it's like that was the one with uh got your money on it, yeah right? yeah that was that was got your money yeah yeah that that song got popular but i i actually also did not think it was the best song in that album it, but it's like the most trans like i i, I would argue that it's maybe the biggest the the, the most like crossover wu-tang hit <laughs> you know you know what i mean like, oh yeah like by anybody. Yeah, but. yeah, that was like a pop song. It launched Kellis's career, right? That uh, song. Uh, because yeah, I think Pharrell did the music for it. Yeah, I think. Yeah, Pharrell, he did. And you know, I think Kellis was like, 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 like the, the in-house singer for uh, Star Trek at the time. And yeah, okay. I, I think that's how that came about. You know, but he wasn't even he like the most popular like like crossover Wu Tang hit and. ODB didn't even show up to the video show. <laughs> that's, 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 that's amazing. <sighs> he was an interesting dude. But uh, all right, I guess we've got to get into this, huh? Yeah, yeah, let's get into this. Tell him with Alan. All right, Things Are Made of Things <laughs> coming out in February. <sighs> yeah. So, February 19th, so two weeks from now. So, uh, with, with, with the with the with the with the last record and this one and possibly the next one, do you consider this to be like in a series of like a uh, of like a creative of like a creative phase that you're in? Yeah, for sure. Um, so this one and home movies were recorded within two weeks of each other, for the most part. At least the bones and the skeleton of this album, kind of the the biggest ideas and the majority of the sound was kind of captured pretty close together. I had like seven of the 10 songs recorded within a week of the other one. So I went back through and I fixed it and stuff like that. But I kind of felt like with home movies, I finally figured out what it was I was trying to do. And uh, this is more me like honing in on that. I think locking into that and uh, having a little bit more fun with it too. Um, The next one is not so maybe, I don't know if bright is the right word or like vibrant or like, bouncy but it's like a heavier album for sure and i do a a lot more uh like electronic and like synth uh like hints to the songs but i don't necessarily dive in quite as hard with the electronic stuff as i do on this one but they they go together and uh actually i kind of made them intentionally to be almost like one giant albums like hit shuffle on them they sound really cool together so they're kind of all yeah in the same vein kind of part of the same creative process that i almost view them as like a loose trilogy okay oh okay all right that that that, that was, that was going to be the follow-up question you just said it was like a trilogy of of like the same school of thought of of creating or or, or not but yeah you answered that right away yeah so this being a relatively a, 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 is it shorter than uh than home movies Technically, it's longer both in track length or in length of the album and in the number of tracks, but they okay. move real fast. I would yeah, say the average length of a song. One. Yeah, like because uh, yeah, I believe it's let's see how like how many tracks because I don't write down the track numbers, I only write down titles. Okay, ten tracks and you're at thirteen minutes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. 
So, so yeah, definitely, definitely like more stream of conscious, you know, a uh, way of doing things as of lately for you, for you. Uh, yeah. What what brought upon that like type of a uh, like cre creative approach? So like when I was younger, as you know, because we used to trade stuff back and forth, I would take yeah. like forever to finish anything. And uh, my goal has always been since then to like not spend, you know, years developing three songs or five songs or whatever. But also I think the stream of consciousness approach is really maybe not as stream of consciousness. Uh, some of these songs have been in the works for like five, six years, especially the electronic tracks were started back when I was like, I don't know, living in Michigan. That was seven years ago. Um, so I know like those are pretty old tracks. Um, there's a few songs I believe that I re-recorded or one maybe on this album that I re-recorded. No, two, 90s, Trash, and uh, I think I can help get you out of this jam or, ba jam or basically uh, reimaginings of songs I recorded three years ago. So like some of it's less stream of consciousness and more kind of centralized around, I recognize a certain idea I was going for and I tried to piece it together. I've been calling this album kind of the chaos album because like the chaos past year has been really chaotic. Okay, so chaos as in that, not the not the Canadian recording sensation also known as chaos. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, it's, it's kind of chaotic to kind of match our times. And like, you know, I see people making these quarantine albums and to me, that's like inherently bound to time and space in a manner that is like, going to be inaccessible, I think, and feel very certain time in the future. And I think that with this, it was more about investigating kind of what it feels like to live in chaos in the ways that like chaos kind of consumes us and influences our daily interactions, our thoughts, but also kind of um, trying to just like find a way to make an album that feels sometimes intentionally jarring. Like I'm playing with genre. I don't necessarily want it to sound like a genre with a, a certain tint to it so much as I want to actually dive into different genres. So I guess like with this album, I really leaned into that pretty hard, try to make it play through without being like unlistenable, but you know, I wasn't necessarily super concerned that this perfectly, you know, flows from one song to the next. But what's kind of surprising probably is like the same chords used on, on home movies are used in, on this and they're used on the next one. It's really about just like the way that I kind of put them together. So they don't sound like it, but they are actually kind of, there's a lot of uh, similarities between the songs. All right. So the first song, Water Level, I, I remember when you shared this with me the first time and I really like yeah. it. I like it now and I liked it then. Uh, I think it's uh, one of three like non-vocal, not again, yeah, one of three non-vocal uh, tracks on this album. Yeah. Um, and I, I do like the, I do like the, the bells that you use on the, on the second half of the track. Uh, what went into what went into doing uh well, what what was the idea behind doing water level because it's it's so, literally it's literally the most different of the of the tracks on this on this uh, <laughs> so actually water level and the other two mario interludes were recorded at the same time they were supposed to be part of an ep an electronic ep that i was gonna make like years and years ago but for uh whatever reason they just like never worked for me they were too long those songs were originally both like five minutes long and they had a lot of other pieces and um i recently was just like when i was working on this album i kind of was going back through around the same time and 
I just happened to stumble upon those songs and be like, oh man, there's some like cool stuff here. So I, I kind of went back through, we reworked them a little bit, kind of streamlined them, made them shorter, I think made them more digestible. Um, and they're supposed to just kind of feel like moments of Zen or just like a break from reality. So like all three of them are kind of trying to capture that feeling of just like, I don't know, maybe inner peace or just like being relaxed, but maybe like a little bit sad, <laughs> I think is a part of it. Like it kind of captures how I was feeling, which is like when you're sitting at home at 11 o'clock and you have nobody to talk to or anything to do, but you're also like, it's kind of chilling. Yeah. yeah, it does give off that vibe. Like, I don't like remember when like Saturdays after Saturday morning cartoons, there's like nothing to do. Like, like you couldn't yeah. just like, you couldn't yeah. like, we didn't have smartphones and shit to like, you, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, when you're a kid, you're just fucking bored. <laughs> yeah, you're just bored yeah. at like one or two o'clock on a Saturday. Well, well, I guess I'll go outside. I guess I'll ride my bike and see what other people are doing. Oh, you're also doing nothing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Can I do nothing over here Thanks. with you? <laughs> And it's like, I'm not like a huge gamer, but when I was younger, I used to play a lot. So like revisiting video games now, I think I'm kind of in that same feeling or zone where it's like, I don't know what I should be doing with myself. And it's kind of like I was back then where it's just like, so I'm going to play a video game or whatever. And I had bought the, uh, what is it called? Game and Watch or whatever. Super Mario Brothers one. Oh, the Game and Watch? I was messing around with that. Yeah, yeah. So I was playing with that a lot. And I was just like, this is a nice break from reality. It was like very like, chill and relaxing and that kind of helped inspire some of the song names so i changed it to super mario world because uh i felt that it it deserved a larger i was actually more thinking about some of the older games that i used to play on on uh nes but you know i mean some like the, like the mario games have like all, all of them have like like wonderfully composed music you know like yes they they they, they, they all do like may not be every yeah. like may, may not be all, the entire soundtrack but some like some of those songs just like like you remember like you remember the water level from like super mario world 64 like i can hear that yeah. song to this day such you know? a vibe. yeah yeah know. it has such a vibe to it like changes the entire feeling of the game like perfectly suits that feeling of like swimming underwater yeah kind of. they really captured it go ahead sorry what but yeah it's soothing it's it's a it was, yeah. it was very soothing and that, that's what, what 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 i got from it was like remembering like because like all, all like yeah. the first party nintendo games had like great music like everything from like earthbound to like the zelda game especially especially the 64 era when it, when the because 64 had like an obviously like beefed up uh you know sound engine in it yeah. than the super nintendo did you know like yeah, that's all, all of a sudden, like, you can hear, like, the Song of Storms on, on, on Zelda, Zelda 64, which I've covered many times without getting sued by Nintendo on my band camp. So yeah, we'll see if that still holds true. Think I'm not taking like, it down. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think about, like, what an achievement that is as a musician if you can make something that, like, somebody can listen to on a loop for fuck hours without being just, like, pissed off. You know, like, I think that that's, like, such an underrated talent yeah. to have, but also, like, they stick with you forever. Like, if you hear Mario music, even if you haven't played that game in 20 fucking years, you know immediately what yeah. it is. You, you walk by you a TV at like, Target and you I hear can't. it. <laughs> You're like, oh, shit. I know what yeah. that is. <laughs> they remastered the track, apparently. They remastered uh, the Mario songs, um, like, yesterday I just read that, that they're oh, remastering really? them or something. So that's pretty badass, too. Yeah. 
but yeah, it's like I, I, I really, I really have like this like view of skewed view of success. Like if I manage to like break out and go platinum like forty times in a row, if I get a song on a Nintendo game. <laughs> That, 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 that's it that's it yeah <laughs> that's yeah, success yeah, <laughs> yeah i'm done <laughs> yeah i always tell shane like the minute somebody says my music is good like like the minute i have actually like some critics talking about my music and saying it's good i'm just gonna fucking quit like that's it fuck it <laughs> i don't want to bother anymore like i'm just trying to see if i can there's certain levels where you're just like yeah that was that feels good i'm gonna fucking do something else now probably just run the label <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, but uh, so with the false uh, sense of security that water the water level leads you into with this record, uh, before I die comes yeah. in really really hard and and that, yeah. that's when you get the sense of like what kind of record this is going to be you know like and I've said this before yeah. and distortion and super destroyer works very well and this album is very distortion heavy and like before I die is just it's, it's great this the the drumming the drumming of it particularly reminds me of uh back when I think it was Scott Rayner who was a drummer for Blink 182 it reminds me of those like oh early, like, Blink. like like Dude Ranch and Cheshire Cat type of Cheshire Cat. yeah <laughs> you know it, it, uh, so what were you gonna say go ahead sorry oh because I I, 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 I I when I listened to this I immediately thought of like the like the slow drumming in um, Carousel. That was that. That's that song. I've been trying to think about that for like the last ten minutes. Uh, yeah, Carousel was, is my favorite song on that album. I, it, it, I think it might <laughs> be my favorite Blink One Eighty Two song. Actually, I, 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 it's up there. I, I actually think it's it's if it's not, it's easily top three. Like, but yeah, Carousel. The way that it speeds up, like that's that's what it got me. This only you use toms. I think Scott only had like. A snare and a hi hat and a crash, or <laughs> but yeah, like that's that's what that reminded me of. Uh, before I die, like, what could you explain that a little bit? Yeah, so, um, well, I, what, what I, was the what was the like inspiration for the skit in the intro? Like, is that a skit or is that you actually having a conversation? Oh, um, oh, wait, you mean uh, Cornell West? Yeah, like, so okay, so oh, that is, yeah. okay, this was. Uh, so like I like I like Cornell West a lot and like he has his faults with his thinking but like I'm pretty into as you know like philosophers and I read a lot of philosophy from my job so like I kind of have dipped into the ways that like political and economic philosophies partner really well with like philosophies about identity and things like that and um, I really like that Cornell West has been making the argument that capitalism is in, you know, inherently going to cause inequality in a society that we see kind of this intersectional sort of inequality partially because of capitalism. And so whenever we're looking at inequality in a society, we have to actually be willing to acknowledge capitalism's role and try to determine like, hey, like, how do we address this, right? Like, how are we going to solve the problem of capitalism? Because especially I think now, you know, it's pretty obvious that it is in fact a problem. It's not a sustainable system anymore and it leads to human suffering, right? So like, I don't know that I know the best solution to the problem, but I, I like that he's at least trying to encourage people to have that discussion. So that's kind of where that came from. I wrote this in the summer when the uh, Black Lives Matter protests were like in full swing 
And uh, obviously, you know, I was pretty angry about our society's racism in general. I remain angry. I was angry before the Black Lives Matter protests. Um, and I think it's just something that, you know, we all um, are culpable for our roles and things, but also like we all suffer because of racism and capitalism. So like this song is kind of like examining that a little bit, I guess. And I really wanted it to be like a kick in the teeth. So I kind of put those interludes in there too, to just kind of like break apart the album and make some of this stuff like hit a little harder, you know? And the song is just from a fucking YouTube comment I saw <laughs> that I changed a little bit. Like somebody commented on some weird video of like a, of a CGI baby, like terrorizing a town. And somebody's like, before I die, give my, it's the internet. And I was like, huh, <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. So I mean, I mean, I don't know what hole you fell into to, to end up on the CGI baby uh, terrorizing a town, but <laughs> It sounds badass. I don't know, man. <laughs> I have I watch the weirdest shit on YouTube. I'll just watch like fucking uh, videos of like 1980s workplace training videos. I'll watch like I don't know, literally anything that looks weird or bizarre. I have to at least give it a shot. I gotta see what it is. I can't help myself. <laughs> so. I remember, remember feeling that's your first single, right? Yeah, yeah, that was released a couple weeks ago. Yeah, to 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 uh, a a good reception, you know. From as far as I can tell. Yeah, I was excited about that. And it really, it was recorded literally the same day as Before I Die. They go together, they use the same chords. Yeah, it was supposed to be kind of a two part. Yeah, it's like, yeah, because you keep the energy from Before I Die into this uh, quite well. Yeah, and it's kind of like the, the, the anger and then kind of like the, uh, maybe not acceptance, but maybe just more of like the explanation little bit more you know or just like the reflection it's like i'm angry but also like i'm so fucking tired of hearing people be like hey you know how are you doing are you okay and it's like dude do you even have to fucking ask right now like is anybody really doing well (laughs) you know so like it's just kind of the i guess like the complaint and then the response to people who are like why are you yelling like (laughs) are you doing all right like fucking no man how are you doing all right like it's been terrible you know man i can tell you how people are doing all right capitalism (laughs) (laughs) sweet sweet capitalism that drug that's gonna ruin us all it already has by buy yourself some leave nelson b stuff right now (laughs) oh man what was that by the way buy some leave nelson b stuff right now oh yeah yeah Yeah, i know it's like bad for everybody else we all get sucked in I feel like that's usually kind of like the uh, the argument for people, right? Is like, it tricks us into that idea of like, well, I don't want to punish Elon Musk because what if I become Elon Musk? And it's like, motherfucker, that he used to walk around with emeralds in his fucking pockets as a little kid. You're never going to be Elon Musk. Yeah, that, like, that, cult, that, that cult of personality around Elon Musk and this disdain for Jeff Bezos. I'm like, like I, I don't get it. Like, they, they are literally trying to do the same thing. <laughs> Like, yeah, they're the same. <laughs> yeah, like it's just it's they're just both fucking evil fucks. Like, I I don't like either of them, you know. And like, oh, it's um, 
if they could really have a lair in a volcano, both of them would have lairs in a volcano, right? Yeah, instead they're going to have a lair in a volcano on Mars. Both of them are trying to do that instead. Like, <laughs> they literally fucked our planet so bad, they're both paying for their contingency plans to get the fuck off the planet, dude. They're not even trying to find, like, a lair. <laughs> oh, man. Like, it's crazy. And, you know, again, like, it's a, it's a kind of how capitalism maintains itself right it's like based on hopes and dreams and kind of this idea that like you could be a person who would be affected by i don't know taxes or whatever but it's like but you're not and if you were ever rich enough to be affected you would be remember being this poor so you would still be richer than your wildest dreams like you can just fucking tax them dude i don't know like <laughs> you know at the very least jesus christ yeah i'm pretty sure so, you noticed it and you know especially like you know, the people that we went to high school with, people who grew up, you know, broke and all of a sudden they get money and all of a sudden they're like all about this, like, you know, Republican way of life. And and it's just yeah. so, it's, it's so like jarring. Like, don't like, like, dude, I, I had you over my house for dinner because like we knew you weren't going to eat <laughs> if, we, if, if we didn't, yeah. you know, like. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, I think that's part of it though, right? Like, I think um, it's even maybe more, insidious when like capitalism is more insidious for people who start out poor and become wealthy because part of the deal is almost that you you have to forsake you have to distance yourself from the fact that you ever poor right like being wealthy being upper class is a cultural thing it's really not about wealth it's about culture and so people who get wealthy and want to fit into those spaces i think part of the way that they try to find that and be recognized as like a member of that group is to kind of reject and to forget where they came from and design, right? Like if you have empathy for poor people as a rich person, you have to stop and ask yourself at some point, like, how am I complicit in the system? How am I harming people? How does my success harm people? You know, if I'm actually in a position to cause change that could, you know, benefit poor people, um, you might actually do that if you had a conscience. You know, you just made great expectations, right, so like make they kind of fear pressure. You. you just made great expectations yeah. make a lot more sense to me. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's the whole point of that book, right? Like, yeah. that's that's it's just the tale as old as time. Like Charles Dickens figured that shit out in the fucking eighteen hundreds. Two hundred years later, almost we're still doing this shit. So it's kind of yeah, like that. That's the mechanism, right? And that's the only way that it can work. Because if you actually had people getting rich and actually giving a fuck, eventually you would have rich people, but not like hyper rich people. So, yeah, yeah. it's fucked up, man. Okay, so there's truth about Super Destroyer. Uh, man, and like, yeah, this is not clickbait. All your titles are clickbait. <laughs> Every single one of them. <laughs> They're not, though. They're just the dumbest thoughts <laughs> I have, dude. Like, that's the worst part. I wish I could say that I was doing this on purpose, but like, mm -hmm. I was just like, so I've been watching the Borges, the Showtime show, and uh, it's about Pope Alexander the Sixth. It's like a drama type, but it has like a lot of like things that actually happened historically. And, this like, is the one that had uh, uh, had the son that they modeled Jesus Christ after, Cesar Borgia. Yeah, Cesare. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So like, and the prince was partially based on Cesare Borgia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just to give you some. Um, like they were fucked up people, but like yeah. very well, bad. Pope second fucking have kids, man. That, that, what a time. <laughs> openly, <laughs> openly had openly bastard had children. children. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't acknowledge his his 
the children's mother, she wasn't allowed to come to things, but he was allowed to acknowledge his kids. The, uh, the history of the papacy is actually like really fascinating and corrupt and crazy, yeah. which is not shocking at all. But um, like I was just watching that show and I just pulled a new song title out called uh, In Your Loneliness, Your Holiness is just like what I came up with based on like people talking and I couldn't help it. Like immediately I was like, oh, that, if I move those lines around, that would sound really cool together. And so I sent myself a Twitter message of it. Like, I don't know. That's just all my song title titles are me being like, this would be a cool title for them from some dumb shit and it helps me to remember kind of like what i was doing at a certain time in my life <laughs> but the, the energy will goes way down on the on the, on the, starting starting with this uh starting with the song and like definitely uh more of a bass driven uh as opposed to a, a guitar driven uh, uh track uh what yeah. what made the choice to like because it's from going forward like if the energy doesn't pick back up until later so like what made a decision right. to like bring down the energy and and I, yeah i did the drums for this one too so you did yeah and that's yeah. what inspired the whole song actually you just sent me that 808 none of this existed you sent and i was like okay i'm building the whole song around this um so actually this was going to be the kind of intro track after the inner like the like there's gonna be an intro track and this was gonna be kind of the leading like like song with words on it or anything lyrics and um I just didn't like that it kind of started low energy and it picked up and that was like fine but I kind of like slowing it down going into that interlude and like giving it some time to kind of live in like a kind of a, a lower sadder space so like I said before like it's kind of about like the macrocosm of society and the microcosm of like a life within a society is kind of like what inspired me to write these various songs and with this one uh I was very fucking sad when I wrote it and uh, that's why it sounds so slowed down. And I felt like, yeah, I'm going to kind of go into, you know, mind blown emoji and stuff like that. And I thought that this would be a good track to kind of lead the way because it bridges that kind of fuzziness with like the electronic sound that comes next. But um, I mean, I don't know how real you want me to get, but this, this song was originally uh, some of the darkest shit I'd ever written to the point where I was like, I cannot put this into song lyrics uh because it's just like too fucked up it's like too dark i can't can't do it um i had been uh like very seriously wanting to kill myself when i made this song and i was scrolling message boards about like how to hang yourself and uh like going through this and just like reading these people's like desperation of just like wanting to end their lives so badly and and obviously feeling the same way and uh I had written some lyrics around feeling of scrolling those boards and realizing as people disappeared, like either they got better or they succeeded in, you know, in ending their lives. And it was really dark. And there was just like this weird fucking guy in there who's just like only egging people on and kept saying like, oh, I'm going to do it next week. And then he would show up like two months later commenting to people. And I kind of was like, this other underlying dark vibe of like, while well, I'm sitting here wanting to kill myself, reading about how to do it and reading other people talking about it. Then you have this guy who seems like a low key serial killer and they're trying to get everybody to do it by basically being like, you know, don't, don't get scared. You got to go through with it. And I'm just like, oh, this is so fucking dark. So I went downstairs and I watched Scooby-Doo and there's fucking laugh track on a cartoon. And I was like, what is the fucking point? Of, of a laugh track over a cartoon. We know there's no live audience here. 
And it made me just think about like human nature and the way that we like socialize with each other. And we need these like lenses to interpret things. And I was just in a really weird spot. And I decided to stick with those lyrics and definitely not the lyrics about scrolling through suicide forums that I had initially written. So it was like really dark and it kind of just got me a weird headspace. And I was thinking about, you know, growing up and the feelings of loneliness that come with it and kind of what that feels like when your friends are pulling away and, you know, dark. <laughs> so it's, I'm in a better space now. I started therapy and shit, but like, yeah, it was, um, that's kind of where that song comes from. Like I wrote the instrumental first when I was like in that state of mind and, uh, that's, I think, probably why it was bass-driven, too. It's just, like, I had a bass line in my head, you know? Yeah. And, man, boy, that guy is probably the last thing anybody needs when they're, like, you know. Exactly. Like, yeah. it's, like, you know, and if somebody is feeling that way, like, as, as fucking lame as it sounds, as, like, cliche as it sounds, like, things do get better. Like, I don't feel that way now. You know what I mean? Like, like I was, like, dead ass, like, ready to end my fucking life. Like I was committed to killing myself. Like I really thought I was going to do it. Um, you know, it kind of cultivated in a, a dark experience. Um, but like, ultimately it didn't, I'm here. So like, you know, you get therapy, you realize like, oh fuck, you can feel happy again. Like it doesn't stay that way forever. You know, I was in bouts of depression when I was younger that would last like two years sometimes. Like I went through like a two year straight depression where I never felt like joy. Um, but you get out of it, you know? And um don't listen to some fucking asshole telling you that you don't have another option. Like, that's not true at all. There's so many options. Even if you feel trapped, like there's always, there's always somebody you can seek out, seek out professional help. Like that shit is, you know, don't entertain those kind of ideas. If you have them, you need to talk to somebody about it. You need to find a way to move past it. Don't let some dickhead on the internet try to convince you that you should fucking kill yourself. Like, and that guy for all of his shit talking, he was around for two years in that forum. So before I quit scrolling, because even I was like, this is too fucking, like, it was like, it, was, it creeped me out a lot. And I was just like, damn, like, this guy's a fucking serial killer, basically. Like, he's just trying to get on here, trying to get people to kill themselves by pretending to be in the same state of mind, which I don't believe that he was, you know? He definitely sounds unhealthy. That, that's for fucking sure. <laughs> yeah, there's something really fucked up about, about that. And so, you know, I... Yeah, that, that song ended up being a lot less dark, obviously, than uh, its initial kind of kind of founding or, or initial ideas to inspire it. But um, I'm glad that it's not quite as dark. And I think it captures the feelings I ended up talking about also were like kind of maybe more in line with kind of the ideas I'm trying to go for, right? Which is just kind of about like living life and, uh, you know, that feeling of like picking a friend up at a bar who didn't invite you to go out with them. <laughs> it's like a shitty feeling, you know what I mean? And uh, that was like a formative moment in my life where I was like, oh, I'm growing up. Like, I don't want to be at this bar, but this is what my friends do. And maybe we're not friends anymore, you know? So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I definitely get that. There's definitely, definitely a point in time in my life where I had like like a two to three hundred dollar a night, like three, four times a week, you know, at a, yeah. at a bar or a pub. Don't do that anymore. I'm no, no fucking way. I, 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 <laughs> well, I haven't drank in like seven years. So like I would go to friends, I'd go to bars with friends just to like hang out because like I don't drink. But like, you know, it was fine. But eventually I think I just got too, too old, 
I guess I, you know, I don't necessarily want to have a bar. With a bunch yeah. Of time. If you want to, if you want to go to a, uh, uh, I, I always said to myself, if you if you if you want to go to people who should be at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, just go to a metal show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, like, well, I would say some punk shows too. There's always like the one guy who's so drunk, you're like, how are you even standing? You should not be in this mosh pit. Like tomorrow, you're gonna be so fucked up from this. Like that one guy is like the most coordinated dude. <laughs> <laughs> thing is is like as they get drunker they feel less so like it's almost like a superpower <laughs> you yeah. know yeah oh man i don't miss those days at all i i really don't i don't either i have much <sighs> more fun just hanging out now no i still drink i said like it like the last show i went to was actually uh, uh was it during gray yeah it was during gray uh bef- before the pandemic yeah that was like before uh 2.0 came out and uh like I'm not going on the floor. I'm, I'm getting a seat on the terrace, and I'm gonna order a drink, and I'm gonna enjoy these pretzels, and I'm gonna enjoy the show. <laughs> like I, yeah, I'm not, see, I'm not doing go, that anymore. I still go in the pits for sure. Like I'm still um, fuck all of that. <laughs> I've always loved that, and like you know, I think like part of growing up is also just like that awkwardness of like not knowing. Like as you start to have your like your desired free time the way you spend it like change I feel like uh part of growing up is like the awkwardness of figuring out how you like transition into that new phase and like you know my friends really like kind of mostly came along with me we're all about the same age and shit but like it's just um yeah I don't know it's just like a weird feeling you know and you kind of feel like isolated and weird and like you feel lame because you like part of you is like wow I really wish I was the guy who was doing this but like you know, like, I don't want to be there. So ultimately that wins because you aren't there. You know what I mean? Yeah. At some point you're just like, fuck this. I don't know. Yeah, I think I was watching like a hockey a hockey uh, playoff game like a few years ago. And I was like, man, when's this going to be over? Like, I need to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Like, like you actually are like, I'm tired and that seems really important to me right now. Like, yeah. I think it's because like things are less like as things aren't new experiences anymore. It's just like the same thing you've done like 25, 30 times before. It's like, you know what? Fuck. Sleep actually is the better option now because I know what yeah. I'm not missing out on, you know? Yeah. Uh, but now that you that now that we talked about it earlier, um about about water level, like ghost houses does sound familiar from like the Enjoy the Stars era. Uh yeah. uh and, like songs you sent me from way way back then way back yeah mm. yeah i do remember that kind of like that that like weird like vocal synth that you had going on yeah and yeah like, i used to fuck with that a lot it was really fun i might bring it back kind of you, you, yeah, you, <laughs> might, you might bring it back <laughs> um yeah this one was um this is like a song that i've wanted to make work Uh, for literally since the day I created it and I was just like always disappointed with where it was like I knew it wasn't right but I knew that it like needed to be made into something that would be right so like I realized like oh it's because the song is fucking four minutes long and it shouldn't be and so I broke it into two parts the part that's like without the synth lead that I think sounds really cool that I liked and then I just broke it into a second part that had the synth lead because those were the two pieces I really liked about the song and I cut out everything else and um, I was really like, I was really happy with being able to figure that out and use it. Um, 
especially because again it's kind of like uh the song initially was supposed to kind of capture the feeling of like being young and in love at like a distance and uh just feeling kind of like you know I, I was dating somebody long distance at the time and it was really far away and that's what the original lyrics were kind of about and uh, I found like an unused vocal that said run away with me or whatever and I was like ah, I'm gonna fuck around with this because that's actually still really cool and how I feel about things now like I wish I could run the fuck away with uh you know the people I love and just like not deal with reality for a while as I'm sure a lot of people do so and that synth lead is just like one of my favorite synth tones I ever created so I had to did a, I had did a to drum stay it. the same um yeah yeah well they didn't they didn't so like I fucked around with like dropping them in and out and changing them up a little bit but like more or less the same I, I didn't really create anything new so much as I, I manipulated what I had in a way that I thought would make the song sound cooler. So, uh, what time should I come over? Now, the the, the beginning of the track, like uh, uh, this one has like the the like this the the like the sample dialogue and the beginning of the end, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, yeah. So okay. the beginning is is backwards, the end is forwards. Yeah. Okay. And like, you, you flirt with bringing the energy back up, but then you slow right back down. That's super story, baby. Yeah. Um, that's how I was feeling. Uh, so the whole point of the song is <laughs> every night uh, uh, that I stay at my girlfriend's house, we alternate homes. Like she stays at mine or I stay at hers. And uh, every night that I go to see her, I always send her the same message, which I realized one day when I was working on that song, and it's what time should I come over? And the song is kind of about like how aggressive and awful the day can feel as you move through it. But then like when you're actually like approaching the end of the evening and I'm going to go see her, it's kind of finally like like a, a, a safe, comfortable, like happy, relaxed place for me to just like be, you know, like with her just hanging out at night. And it's kind of like an end to all the chaos. And uh, so the first half is kind of like daytime. What time should I come over is basically nighttime just like knowing the day is ending and i'm gonna spend it with her so um that's also why like the samples are backwards in the beginning and forward at the end like things are fucking backwards during my day but then like it feels right by the end of the night kind of thing so um that's really it's a basically a love song it is a love song and that's probably really fucking weird uh to have such an aggressive sound in one but that's what it's kind of about you know, I, I, I made, this just made me realize I love short, short love songs. <laughs> me too. Yeah. And I love short songs in general. Like, I don't think long songs are inherently bad. And there's like so many that I love, but I just feel like, you know, if you don't have anything to really say in it, to me, like need to dictate the length of a song. And then like a song like this, it just felt like, yeah, I don't need to say more than this. I think the actual song part is probably 50 seconds. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember, um, on the Odd Future tape, uh, number two, this is, I don't know That's how That's way long. back. I mean, yeah. 2010, uh, 2009. Yeah, Odd Future tape number two, Frank Ocean had that song, I think it was just called White, I think, or oh, no, what was it called? Yeah, I think it was just called White, and it was just him, like, it, it, was, it was literally just him singing with like a rose, with like a rose going in the background, and it was it. And it, it, was, yeah. uh, it was nice, it was, it was great, like, well, and, and it's funny you say that because like, 
Tyler's production, some of the stuff Earl Sweatshirt has done, a lot of the stuff Frank Ocean has done. Um, like I love uh, hip hop and R&B, old and new alike. And I think it's just like so creative. And so I think a lot of like my song structuring and creative process around my instrumentals come from actually listening to like hip hop more so than like punk or anything. Like I've spent a majority of my time listening to hip hop and electronic music. Um, and like, I fucking love how innovative and interesting. And like, that's the thing I kind of learned from listening to people like who came out of Odd Future or even somebody like Travis Scott or Kid Cudi or, you know, like they always are able to make an instrumental suit the needs of whatever it is they're trying to accomplish in a really innovative and interesting way that doesn't get boring, you know? And so like, that's kind of always my sort of approach to this kind of stuff too, is like, how can I make sure that this isn't going to be boring, overly long, uninteresting. And so like, they all have had a lot of influences on the reason why like my songs are short now is basically by examining the ways in which uh, some of those musicians are creating their own songs, which you are not as short as mine, but don't need to be. You know what I mean? I think like, uh, like my first, speaking of short songs, like my first like foray into an album full just short like snippets was Donuts, I think. And yeah, uh, one, uh, one, one that I liked. And today's uh, the 15th anniversary, I think, of Donuts. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that, I think that really, yeah, because uh, it was like my, I found out that he passed away on my father's birthday. You know, it might have been like a few days after after uh, Donuts came out because I got I got it. I think I pirated it, um, like some weird version of it that had that had like forty something tracks or some shit. Like, you know, it, it, I was a teenager and yeah, it was yeah, the internet was and yeah. yeah, I was I was torrenting the hell out of shit. And yeah, me too. <laughs> and yeah, like Donuts, I could not wait to get my hands on and. And I got it and I loved it. And I'm sitting at my computer listening to it. Like, and I think I'm an okay player and, and I'm reading that he has like passed away. <laughs> like it's, it, it was a very weird moment for me. And it's my dad's birthday, you know, like, okay, all right. <laughs> yeah. And that album, you know, Jay Dill is another producer that just like made really interesting songs and donuts in particular, which by the way, I was listening to the summer as well when I was making this. Uh, yeah. Not that I'm making something on par, but um, like it, I appreciated that as well. Like Jay Dilla had a lot of short songs on that album, and I thought they were really fucking cool. No, like I, I think I think hip hop knows how to make short songs like effectively, you know, yeah. uh, and, and like Earl Earl Sweatshirts, uh, some rap songs, and like, yeah, I love that album. Yeah, that album's killer, you know, and it definitely had and. and done something right because he has imitators all over the place you know so yeah again that's like an influence on me like i heard that album was like fucking sweet dude like let's this is more my speed i love this even at even at uh anderson pack side project um what was it called oh shit no worries yeah i don't know because i'm yeah i'm not gonna lie i've never been an pack fan no, no worries. Yeah, right. I think you would like no worries. It's Anderson Pack and Knowledge, and okay, yeah, and 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 like that 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 was like literally like short songs. It's actually a longer album. I think it may be like maybe like half hour, forty minutes, but yeah, it's definitely definitely worth a listen. But yeah, shorts like it's it's like a vignette, like like vignette of of a, of a of a complete song, you know, and you want to listen to it again like oh. as soon as you're done. Like it, that's it, the thing about it right so like yeah. 
that's what turned me on to short songs is like when I so uh when I listen to like I realize a lot of my favorite songs are short songs and it's because I'll listen to the song five times because I'm not like satisfied with just one listen where like a long song I'll listen once and I'm done with it and I'm done with it for a while like you know it would have to be an exceptional song for me to listen again and most songs that I like that are long if they're not exceptionally fantastic doing something like mind-bending or break you know breaking new ground, usually I'll hear it once, be like, damn, that was a good song. And then I'm like, okay, time to listen to something else. You know, so like, that's the other thing about short songs. I think they kind of afford that re-listenability. You know, I really like never feeling quite satisfied when a song's over. And maybe that's weird, I don't know. But like, do you find yourself like almost having satisfaction and like not being fully satisfied, like just needing to hear it again? Like for me, I love that feeling. Yeah, it, it it definitely is uh welcoming to me, uh to, to to be that way. And I think longer songs, I feel better if they're linear. Like I love "Live or Let Die," and that song is very very linear. Like it it definitely doesn't end the yeah. same place it begins. You know, uh, Molina is like that. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, it, but a longer like a longer song has to like. I have to be in the mood for it or something like that. The only like really longer song I really am like always game for is probably like Around the World by Daft Punk. <laughs> you know, as a, shit on. I never, yeah, Daft Punk. Yeah, Daft Punk. Punk I, I never get tired of that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Modest Mouse, I can do a lot of old 90s like house music in general. Like, I don't give a fuck if that song's 10 minutes long. I'll go fucking listen to the sh- that yeah, shit, like, I, I can listen wow. to a 10 minute remix of a dead dead mouse song i, I can do that <laughs> you know <laughs> it's just like you know i feel like in electronic music though it's almost like i know there's trance music but i'm not particularly referring to trance in general but like a lot of electronic music i think has that quality to it where you can almost like fall into a, a vibe where you don't realize you've been listening to a fucking loop for two minutes with just like a little bit of flourishes around it or you know things dropping in and out well, you got to be good. You know, you you, you got yeah, you, you you to gotta be good. good. You got to be like Tool or like Dream Theater or some shit. You know, like you can't. You can't, you and, can't and to be, be honest with you, I don't like either of those bands. I think they're all incredibly skilled uh, musicians, but I don't like the music at all. So because, again, it's like too it's too long for me. I also have a short attention. Span. And also, like, I grew up listening to punk and hardcore, which does, I think. Oh, they get over their ideas this- really quickly. <laughs> Yeah, they historically have, you know, a short, that too. I think that that's a big part. Yeah, because like Fugazi and shit, like, like, like those songs are killer and you have to listen to them again, like right away. Yeah, well, and you know, like thrash punk and older punk and shit that I used to, I've seen like, a, I've seen, you know, hundreds of punk bands and like, it's, there's something magical about, you know, having a song that's a minute and 20 seconds long that goes through like three verses, like fucking uh, Authority Zero has a song that they go through three verses in 50 seconds. And it's like, it, with courses, and you're like, how the fuck did you even do this? It's so fast, so, so like badass, but it works, you know? I love that shit. Uh, yeah, I feel bad for the drummers, though. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it's um, like, Before I Die is a very fast song. And in like, for that song, I could do it, but like, I don't know if I could do like a 30 minute set at that oh, level. Oh, that, you, you know what yeah, I mean? You, like that's a workout. Like you're fucking tired at the end. You're like, Jesus Christ, dude. Like I need a break. So Super <laughs> Destroyer is not covering uh Dude Ranch live. Uh. 
Not, not uh, yet. I'm a, I, I just got, I got a rolling machine, so I'm trying to build up my strength and stand. So you never know in a year I might be down for it. <laughs> All right. So, I would probably be a uh, chest iron cat though. Just like, oh man, like, was was it just about done? That, that oh man, we're, we're, uh, yeah, we're not we're done talking about Blink One Eight Two because I can go down a hole. <laughs> I can go down a hole. But uh, fourth dimension. What's funny is I'm not even that big of a fan of theirs, but I just like that album. I, I like I like them when I was younger. I think everybody does, right? They're still fun. Well, they have I, I you know I appreciate no, them for what they are. Blink One Eight Two is like a foundation of one of my of, of like like me and my little sister getting along. And it's also like the foundation of like, of how me and my best friend became best friends. So like- They hold a special like, place. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah. But Blink-22 is special. Like, just... and, and for me, they ushered me into the punk scene. So like, I they kind of have a little place in my heart too because they like introduced me to something else, you know, that was yeah. a little heavier and harder and maybe a little bit more meaningful, but like, they make I, I still go listen to Blink One Eight Two and like fucking sing along. You know, it's See, fun. You you went you went the harder direction. I went bouncing souls and Goldfinger direction. So oh, I've seen the bouncing souls like <laughs> seven times. So I went both directions. I think I fucking <laughs> I like the pop punk shit too. <laughs> oh man, and yeah, Glassjaw. I fucking love Glassjaw. Oh man. Uh anyway, fourth dimension. Yeah, yeah. yeah this mind this, blown emoji. Yeah, this yeah. this this song needs to be played on a beach with a ukulele. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I really like this, and I really like the, the the synth ending that you had on there. The the like the appreciated uh like like thing you had going on in the end of the song. I re- I really appreciated that. But what 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 inspired like the whole stylistic change of this uh of the of this of this record? Um. Honestly, like uh, I liked making short stories about ghosts. And so I try to still use the approach that I used on that album for songs when I'm just composing things. So like, that was just the chaos later song that I just was like full in, like I'm gonna build a fucking loop and I'm just gonna build a song around some loops and dick around with it until I have something I enjoy. And in that case, instead of like starting to like really contort the loop in any way and kind of make it stutter, you know, change the, time signatures or anything like that um or beats per minute i just kind of said i like this loop i think i could just add to this and so i made the entire thing on a chaosolator um with running my guitar into it and uh just kind of saw where he's gonna lead me i initially thought i was going to like do that and then go back through re-record it differently and like make it more like the second half kind of the whole song but then when I heard it, I was like, oh, damn, I actually really like that it doesn't start so intense, that it's like lightly electronic and then devolves into something else and kind of then decays. So um, that's kind of how I switched it up. Yeah, that's like basically just like that. Now, if you want to talk about stream of consciousness, that fucking song was stream of consciousness. Like oh, that good. truly was just me fucking around. Like I had no idea going into it. Usually I hear a majority of the song in my head before I record it. So like I want to. Like, I know the baseline I'm making. I know kind of more or less like what I want to hear and I start with. That one, I literally had no idea. It was just all about process. So, and the lyrics, those were the last r- lyrics I wrote for the album also. That was the very last song I recorded vocals on. Okay. So I, I, I really like the track. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice break. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, you know, and again, it kind of revisits that idea of just like, 
the commodification, the commodification of like us, you know what I mean? Like we are now like the products being sold by these tech companies where like they're selling our information to ad companies to then sell us things, you know? And like, we just kind of are situated in this really like duplicitous sort of disingenuous world where I think it has like a collective emotional harm on all of us. Like nothing is genuine. You can't take things as being genuine. You have to kind of like always be skeptical of green. Now it's just like, you know, it's, it's a weird, we're living in weird times. And so that song I felt like would kind of tie that theme together with some of the other stuff that I, some of the other snapshots from my life, I guess, living in this fucking chaos. All right, and 90s, 90s trash. I've re- I, I, I like this. I, my notes here. Uh, is that, like, I don't know if you remember the president of the United States of America. Yeah, no, I've been listening to a lot of them because of the 90s conference. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, because like I'm, I, I'm thinking to myself, it sounds like a mashup between like a president's and a third eye blind, third eye blind song. Not too far off, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> third eye blind was definitely a huge influence. Uh, I would say like 90s kind of pop rock in general, they are definitely a contender in that. Um, yeah, it was just like a song I was fucking around and started like playing some chords and I was like, oh, I could turn this into like a 90 sounding song. And that was back when I wrote it like three years ago. And it had like a thrashier intro that went longer, but it was kind of like boring. It, I felt like it was a kind of boring intro, even though it was fast, it just didn't do enough. So I just like shortened it down to like a few measures and uh then dove into like the 90s part that i really liked and had fun with um and really it was supposed to kind of mirror even to a degree kind of like a a 90s sounding song but also kind of like just i don't know like 90s trash like i feel like i used to say i was like 90s trash i was born in the 90s and i'm just like a piece of human garbage that was when i was younger and it kind of just evoked some of those those thoughts so i was just like yeah fucking let's make a song talking shit on breakfast at tiffany's and myself i guess and uh you know to a nice fun 90s theme which i felt like was also very 90s because 90s music was very self-deprecating yeah i mean that's because like uh, and, and from what i from what i observe from you know my, my limited cultural scope of what of what the 90s were is that like you always had like this ire against like the Gen Xers and the yeah and, the, and like the dot com people and and then you had in the same generation like slackers and shit like that and yeah and like like basically people who Kevin Smith made movies about you know like clerks and mall rats yeah. and shit you know like it's like, like a lost generation of people they're just like I don't fucking have any desire to like enter into what was like post 80s society which was very much influenced by like reaganism and they were like rejecting it and that rejection often looked like aloofness and kind of like disinterest and yeah it's like uh it's an interesting time like i mean i'm even younger than you are so like i don't necessarily have like a full authentic 90s experience so much as like i remember the music really well and i've revisited it often in my later you know once i was a teenager and an adult you know and plus, yeah. like, like I feel like people think the '90s lends to like a certain aesthetic, and in reality, like it was probably one of the more diverse like yeah. expositions of, especially in the music world, because you had everything from like, like, like even from like late in the decades, from like 
Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears to early decade, you had Nirvana and yeah. and Pearl Jam, and, and then you had like Wu Tang and Charcoal Quest and fucking Dr. Dre released a chronic and you know like and Biggie and Tupac and fucking you know Lauren Hill and yeah I mean Mariah Carey yeah Mariah Carey and like not to mention Third Eye Blind and like like it's a huge like 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 yeah thing you know like there's no there's not one transformative 90s hit you know you know like you can quote you can thank anybody from like Celine Dion's Titanic song or uh or like Coolio's Gangster's Paradise, you know, like those are like. And then there's semi-charm kind of life and they're all playing on the fucking radio. Yeah. And I think that's what's so fascinating about the nineties for me is to me, the nineties created basically like the landscape that became how we consume music now and like modern music in general. I think it was where like music, popular music broke out of like singular genres. And we really started to see the advent of like multiple popular genres that were very different from each other actually reaching mainstream success sometimes cross-pollinating across different groups of people. So like, you know, even the like people who are into rock, like also listen to Biggie sometimes and would listen to like Mariah Carey and all of it again was on the radio. And before that, I don't think it was, it didn't really work quite like that. I felt like things were more like kind of sectioned off and kind of segregated to different sorts of genres and scenes where that's the first time where we kind of saw a lot of different things being played on the radio. Like they would play fucking house music on the radio and then you know third eye blind and then a rap song and then like fucking you know you would have like a pop song and it was just like kind of a cool time in that way um yeah i mean b52s had their biggest hit in the 90s <laughs> they were and, banned and, for like 20 odd years at that yeah. point <laughs> and the thing is it's like you know um out of the 90s like truly came i think modern i feel like when you listen to a lot of music from the 90s some of it could still be played on the radio now and I feel like that's the first generation where that, the first decade where you can really hear that happen. Well, that and the cost of recording went way down because, uh, yes. yeah, because uh, I think that's were being more widely uh, widely used in the nineties. Uh, you know, from like from like you know, splicing together tapes and shit. Like yeah. you know, and plus like you you can just redo things easier. Like oh, just delete right. that track off to that as opposed to like. Oh, oh, let's let's reel back the tape and uh, see, see what we got. Every start, you know? from, yeah, start from <laughs> the know? top, yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah, it, it became a lot more accessible for people to make make music. You know, I, and I remember I remember seeing the screenshots from uh, the Fragile, uh, the 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 Nine Inch Nails record, which I believe may have came out in '99. I'm not sure, but like seeing what what uh, Logic looked like back then, like. <laughs> But and and hearing the in hearing uh hearing the fragile and seeing what like he he had to work with which was cutting edge technology at the time, right? You know, like what he was able to do with that. Imagine what somebody with way less talent and way less know how like was able to do. Like all of a sudden you have like seventy no doubts. You know, making yeah. you know trying to break into the scene. You know, like yeah. you have like like uh, like master like masterminds like uh. I still say the best single of all time, the best like single single like of all time is New Radicals, You Get What You Give. And like- Gotta be up there, right? It's, it's gotta it be has up to there. be, it's, right? Like, and it's, that, uh, it's yeah. The only thing I, I can, I, uh, that I'll argue against it is probably Joy Division's Level Terrace Apart. That's the only thing I'll argue against it. <laughs> like, I mean, that that's a, it is a, 
and that's the thing about the 90s too it was like almost like modern marketing became yeah. it also was the advent of like modern marketing because like the way singles function the way aesthetics function the way that people got attention I mean, they always did like shock bullshit or whatever, but I feel like it feels more similar to how people still do things than they did in the 80s and the 70s, where it was like more about word of mouth by the 90s. It really was more audiovisual, more aesthetically, you know, um, it was the aesthetic became more integrated into like marketing. Oh well, yeah, and like everybody was watching TRL and shit, you know, like right, yeah, you know, like you had to you had to have a video, you know, in order for people to give a shit, you know, for one, like at least as far as like people that like when you consume music the way I, the way the way I did certainly, like yeah, you had to have a video for people to give a shit, you know, depending on what show you're on, because like the, like, the, like the shows were diverse as hell too, you know, yeah. you can watch anything from like TRL to like Rap City to like even like even in the, in the 90s like uh mtv's a grind it was literally people dancing for a half hour like yeah <laughs> everybody fucking throwing shit at the wall because yeah. they just like had the means to do it and like there was a lot of people who i think had a lot of ideas um and for the first time it seems like those ideas were like having like serious money put behind them because for the first time there were outlets dedicated to somebody coming up with like dumb ass ideas around music, for example, you know, like before that, nobody was going to do that shit. And, and there was also like appropriations of like revisiting, right? Like some of the older shows and modern formats and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's just like an interesting time. And that's why I kind of wanted to do something 90 sounding and like kind of an homage to it. Cause that's just like fucking, I don't know kind of fun i you think know? you hit the you hit the mark pretty pretty well i'm glad to hear that that was the that was the goal just to make it sound 90s <laughs> now i think i can help you out of this jam uh out of all the songs on this uh on this album i think this would kill live like the transitions are great you know like, yeah the two transitions you have in there are just amazing and like i can definitely see this like killing like a live performance I literally wrote this song thinking about like, like that exact thing. Like, damn, I want to write a song that would just be like, for sure the thing I ended the show on. You know what I mean? And this was like the song that I ended up turning into that. This was another re-record. So I wrote the original like three years ago. That was also three years ago, but it like sucked. Like it wasn't good. Neither of these songs were really that good. That's why I like wanted to re-record them because they were more demos than they were finished songs. It was like me knowing that there was something there, but I didn't really know how to do it yet. And so I wanted to revisit this one. And so I changed the structure quite a bit. It was like a song verse or verse uh, chorus, verse chorus kind of bridge ending type song. And I was like, fuck that first verse, fuck the chorus. Like, and then the second half of the song, I literally wrote from scratch. And so all of that was new, none of that existed. And uh, I was like really happy with the way that turned out. Just like kind of having this like heavy kind of ripping end to uh, a song, which just, you know, seemed like it'd be fun. It's a song I'd like to see live as well. Hopefully somebody plays it live for me. Cause yeah. <laughs> I'd rather be in the pit than <laughs> playing it probably. <laughs> Um, and you end with Yoshi's, Yoshi's Island, and which I look at as like a reprise of uh, Ghost House of, of Ghost yeah. Houses. Yeah. So actually, it was originally the intro track. So it was originally going to be Yoshi's Island into Truth About Super Destroyer, and the transition is actually really nice. 
but uh, it just didn't set the tone for the album the right way. I felt like I, I like water level better because it's not quite as low energy. Um, and also just like water level felt weird to end the album on. This felt much more, like you said, like a reprise. So it's just kind of like, hey, you know, see you later kind of feeling where water level just was a little bit too much, I think, for maybe the ending of an album. Yeah, yeah. I, but yeah, I think from top to bottom, this album is great. Um I'll put it on par with home movies. I really like home movies. I, I think you feel differently about it. But I do. Um, <laughs> I like that I figured it out for the first time on home movies. I think that some of the songs are like good songs that I wish I could have executed a little bit better still. This album, I feel much more like I was hitting my mark. Uh, and the next one, I feel even more so that way. So, I, you know, I think now that I kind of adopted and found the style and kind of the way I want to write songs... I'm getting like, I got comfortable with it on this album. And I also really was just trying to have fun with this. So like, you know, I like making music. Like that's, as you know, like I just, I like recording music. Like I enjoy playing new songs and doing that kind of thing. And these were all songs that were like fun to make. You know, they kind of provided challenges for me. They had me trying out different things. I didn't really think about, you know, how people would receive it or anything. I just was really thinking about like, hey, do I want to do this? And every time the answer is yes, I fucking did it, you know? And that was fun. That was fun. And it kind of fit in line with kind of what, again, I was trying to do, which is just kind of capture the chaos, you know, without capturing a quarantine album, which I just, I hate that. I hate that shit. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, albums are albums, like, <laughs> it's in yeah. my opinion. Well, I mean, I, I don't know, like, fucking, I don't want to commemorate this fucking quarantine thing. This is not a time I want to revisit. You know what I mean? So like, I don't want to make an album that's going to be like the quarantine album where I'm talking about like explicitly what's happening to me. So this felt like a better way of doing it where like, it's something I would probably enjoy revisiting when I'm not, you know, living under fucking COVID anymore, mm. you know, COVID restrictions. Now, uh, the artwork done by Lonnie Starsky, correct? Uh, it was, but it was. Some okay. of those pictures were actually mine that they like added some stuff to so the fully original pieces they did were the very badass cover for I think I can get you out of this jam and the cover for before I die which obviously isn't out yet um then what the album cover was a picture I found in a house I lived in in a dresser wow the person there before the person who owned it I was like yo what the fuck is this picture so cool can I have it and they're like yeah I don't care I was like, who took it? They're like, I don't know, just take it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so, wow. um, and then one of them was a picture that I took of someone back in the day. And uh, I was like, damn, that would be a fucking cool album cover. So I had permission to use it and I was, thought it was good. Yeah, I really, I really like the cover to, to this one. <laughs> and again, it kind of all feels kind of like, you know, the chaos. Like, it was all about just like everything about this album is capturing fucking chaos. You know, uh, like, I mean, I like the bright colors and like, I feel like yeah. that pretty much like, like, yeah, it matches the bright, the, the, the brighter, the brighter, the brightness of it. And it's, I don't know, like, I, 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 I that's what draws me. And because like, especially like being a kid in record shops, like that's what you had to go on, you know, like. Yeah, exactly. So like imagery, I, I agree, like those sorts of album covers and stuff are like super important to me. And I love Lonnie's work. And I feel like it really suits kind of the weirdness of my music really well. Cause I do think my music is probably like, you either really like what you're hearing or you really hate it. I have a hard time seeing somebody being kind of 
indifferent just because I feel like it's too far out of left field to really, you know, not hate the fuck out of it or really like it. <laughs> um, I feel like it's just like, you know, that's kind of what it does. Um, and I just feel like Lonnie's work kind of captures maybe some of the, that element of my, my music well. So I like working with them. Um, and I really was happy with how this turned out. My goal is just that this is fun to listen to. It so is. That's the goal. That's like literally like music's supposed to be fun. And even if it's sad or even if it's whatever, like you should still enjoy and have a good experience listening to it. And that was really like trying to capture just like, again, chaos, but also like, I didn't want people to just be bummed out when they were done with it. So I tried to lean into my weirder elements of my own personality and just like really put myself on display on this. Yeah. Wow. So do you have any thank yous you like to associate with this uh, particular record? Uh, yeah. So like, obviously Lonnie, uh, Daniel Zazani, who, uh, he mastered who, it right? or mixed and mastered it. Mixed and mastered. Yeah. He, he does, he did home movies and he's doing the next one also. Um, and he is really great person to work with and I really appreciate him going back and forth with me and like he'll try some things out and we kind of I feel like we work really well together um you because you listen to all these fucking demos and even contributed some drums to a track obviously uh really everybody on Lonely Ghost because I've bounced demos and shit around to all of them and people have given me feedback and and been really receptive to being willing to even listen which I appreciated um Dean who works with us in the pub, you know, on, on PR stuff, Henderson, who also has just like been really helpful with this album. Um, yeah, just, you know, kind of the usual crew, I suppose, kind of uh, the LGR family and, and collaborators that, that do a lot to, to kind of help me get things out, I think. All right, me. Yeah, because like, I don't know, you don't need to thank me. Like, you, I, I've known you longer than I haven't at this point in my life. You yeah, know? So. yeah really but still, you know, <laughs> you still, still contributed to one of my songs. You, you listen to a lot of my shit. Like, you know, it's still time and effort. And uh, it's always appreciated. Because uh, literally, dude, like, without you, I probably wouldn't, none of this shit would exist. Like, you were the first person to kind of, like, listen to it and be encouraging when, like, nobody was encouraging of the stuff I used to do at all. So, you know, like... I don't know. I feel like it's always been nice to kind of have you there to kind of egg me on and can, you know, convince me to keep trying shit out. And it's been, I mean, uh, that was a two way street, man. Like back when I had my, uh, Akai XR 20 <laughs> drum machine, you know, Hey, I still have mine. Actually water level was recorded with an XR 20. So. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the drum beat, the fucking drum the sample. Uh, and then I just added Simpson shit, but yeah. Yeah, like back when I had that, like, and I remember when I first got that, I thought I was a Mac man. I'm like, oh yeah, it, it, it's it, it, it's it's professional timing. <laughs> hey baby, that has touch that has touch sensitive pads on it. Yeah, you, yeah. You, I mean, you, I, I will be surprised if you find anything in Kai makes that does not have velocity sensitive pads on it. Like, yeah. But, but at the time, I was like so impressed by that because I'd never owned anything nice before. <laughs> so I was like, damn. Yeah, I think I was in college when I sold mine, and I I I, I missed it for a, for a long while until I what what piece of equipment did I get? I I, I no, it's like probably my sampler, like because I got touch sensitive pads back, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, yeah, because you commented on that a few times that you got them back. The thing is with like those is like, they're limiting, but like an XR20 can be fun 
for somebody like me who doesn't want to have to learn how to use. Oh, and yeah. and it's a powerful fucking drum machine. Like yeah, it is exactly like it's a good machine. It's not great if you want to create your own samples, but you know, like an MPC is a big investment in both time and money. And if you're like me, where it's like, hey, I'm not going to compose whole albums with this. I really just want to be. I mean, you have, could. Like, I mean, you can compress yeah, every well, every every drum sound. You can EQ every drum sound. You can yeah. add a really good quantizer and a really good swing. Uh, swing, like it, man. Uh, Oh, you're making me want to buy one. You know how much I sold yeah. mine for? I sold it for like 70 bucks, man. Somebody got a what? fucking good deal. Yeah, they, they <laughs> Jesus Christ. I've seen I've seen like those little fucking rhythm uh ribbon synths that that Korg made for a little while go for 70 bucks. Yeah, like uh, but uh yeah, I mean like it's a good drum machine because it can do a lot, but like I don't think the learning curve is as great and it's you can kind of out of the box do some shit with it too. That's like inspires you to kind of move forward. And at that time, especially. Yeah. yeah you know? You're creating on an XR20. You're basically that, that that's the, you're not learning much, you know, about like how, how normal drum sequencing usually is. Right. But you can do fills on there. And like, uh, uh, some of my early band camp stuff has like, has like XR20 drums on it. And man, I was, I was so happy. So, so happy with fun. that thing. Yeah. It is fun. Yeah. You know, and then the chaos pads. Uh, I have a chaos later and the chaos pads, and like those are still some of my favorite fucking. Those are great things I have. I wish I yeah. I, I need to buy one. I, I I'm I've been going back and forth between like the SP four hundred four or chaos later. You know, because like chaos later's are. I don't know, man. Like, there's something magical about them, especially the old ones. They're just like. It's kind of like, you know, when, when you were like starting out in music and you really had like maybe a keyboard or something. So there was like a certain level of creativity that came out of like the limitations of it. And like, I like the chaos later because there's like a lot of ability to do, like you could do a lot with the chaos later, but there are limitations to it that force you to be creative. And like, I really enjoy being able to kind of like marry the two things together. And like, I still fuck around with my chaos later and we'll make shit that like, I'm never going to release or even record, but I was just like sitting in my room and I pull it out and I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to dick around and make a little synth loop, you know, inspired song today. And it can be uh, just fun. I don't know. It's like what, I think the chaos later is the most fun instrument. Like it's just, especially if you put a line in, it's just a fun ass thing to play with. I don't know. Oh man. But yeah, like, yeah, it's been a long time. It really has been a long time for us. Like, yeah, like from from like meeting uh, you you and uh, you and Shane in my basement, in my grandma's house in Conneaut, Ohio, to you know, like like going to college. I think like a year after that, and like, yeah, oh man, it, it, it's yeah. I remember, yeah, I remember like uh, when I came back. Like one of the first songs I sent you was like something I did on like Thanksgiving Day or some shit. You know, like it, it was, yeah. yeah, man, that was, that was a long time ago, but yeah, it's been a journey. It's definitely been it a has, journey. And I'm glad that we're kind of able to, to do this stuff and like have fun with it. Like it's all I've ever really, you know, wanted <laughs> to be able to do is just yeah. like make music fun and, and kind of have a community of people, which, you know, I, I, I don't pat myself on the back too often, but I think I've accomplished that with only go so far and i'm really happy to see that people can Ooh. use it as a community so you're you're happy man just what we talked about the other day i'm i'm ecstatic oh that's a whole different level dude yeah. like <laughs> we haven't talked about it quite yet yeah. like something like this but like 
that's a different like that's feeling like maybe we're leveling up a little bit like yeah. so yeah man this um this is not the last album they're gonna hear from me this year i have uh another one in the process of being mixed and mastered now so and that one is a little less um it's, it's more cohesive it's a more cohesive album um and, and intentionally so you know oh this is definitely a workout album for me you know so <laughs> The, uh things are made of things yeah 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 good the... yeah like that's fuck yeah dude exactly like that's exactly the kind of energy i'm going for i'm so happy to hear that actually because i really don't know how like people digest this album at all like i have no idea what it's like to like hear an album like this and it, you know because i made it it's like i can't you can't totally remove yourself from like what you intended to do you know the closest uh comparison i can think of that a lot of people give me is like glitterer so maybe it kind of feels like that, but like, you know, he's probably a much more talented musician than I am. Oh, I mean, er everything, I mean, just as long as you don't go into like Trout Heart, re <laughs> Trout Heart Replica type of, uh, 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 Trout Mask Replica, right? Yeah, like that that type of direction. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, I feel like I, I kind of have a, you know, I, I kind of have a certain, a certain feel now. I think it's, I think if you are familiar with this album, the, like a lot of the stuff the next stuff coming up a lot of it's not going to be quite as as heavy in punk but like if you if you feel like hey this is a sound i think it does carry and i feel like i don't know i feel like home movies in this one don't feel like they live in different universes no yeah. no home movies definitely welcomes you into this one and yeah, i feel that absolutely. this one definitely welcomes into what you got coming out too you know so yeah and that was kind of the goal and when you hit shuffle on all of them they play through together really nicely which was kind of a goal too of just like having something that as i build kind of a discography you can kind of move through it and have some sort of consistency almost in the the diversity of the songs you know like it almost makes it feel more consistent than you would expect so i i think that's been cool but i'm glad uh i'm glad you liked it man it's um you know this is the longest i've ever sat on an album so what that was done. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't do that. There's, there's no way. There's, I know a lot of people well, like. I, I'm sitting on some old songs for 4.0 right now. But, you know, like, but yeah, it's. Yeah, well, I, I couldn't do that. People have said that, man. Like a lot of people, especially in DIY and even people on my label are like, I don't know why they waited, why you're waiting so long to release these songs. And it's like, because I want to like get press. I want people to write about it. I want to like try to promote it a little bit. And uh you know, that unfortunately takes time. I'm the same way. I wish I didn't have to wait, but like, you know, if you, if, if we're trying to get you premiered somewhere, those writers need the time. So it's like hard to adjust to for me too. And like, I, I, uh, I don't know. It's good though. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. good to like give yourself the time, I think. And ultimately I think it makes it so that you have a better release. Cause if you, you know, at least give yourself a little distance from it. You get a better impression of what it is. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, 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 would, I would agree. I would definitely agree. So, okay. But anyway, we're going to end this uh, recording of Talent with Helen. All right. I'll talk to you later, bud. All right. Later. <laughs>